0: So this week I'm teaching in the right chapter, <laughs> uh, right book, yeah, yeah, we all know the importance of communication, um, how essential it is, uh, what happens when you have bad communication, uh, but anyways, the Lord works through it regardless. I did, I did, yes, same name, but uh, anyways, so just for those of you who don't know, there's a joke that last couple of weeks ago Paul asked me to teach on First John and I thought he meant John chapter 1, so I taught my message on John chapter 1. Uh, but tonight we're gonna actually be in first John chapter 2 correct okay perfect I just want I want to confirm before we get started um, need to uh, need to uh, need some amens there amens right so <laughs> anyways well we'll kind of get started and uh, just kind as I was kind of thinking about this I am hooked on this chair okay there we go I'm free a um, little hook got me in the back you know have you guys ever done something new and just felt really awkward doing it? I don't know about you guys, but uh, for me, there's certain things that when I start out, I may I may not always be as naturally good at or whatever it may be. Some of, we all have kind of different things. There are certain things that we as people can just pick up. I'm the kind of person that the more I do something, the like I, I get better at it, and so I need practice. And I <laughs> and so there's certain things that become more natural than others. And I, when I first started selling insurance. Uh, when I first started, you know, learning about auto, home, and life insurance, and so when I, I I went through all my training, but I'm the kind of person that when you go through training, that's almost useless. Like it helps me kind of get it and understand it, but until I actually put it into practice, then it starts to make sense. And not too long ago, um, I sold. It has been a while, but I sold my very first life insurance policy that I sold. And this guy called me, and I think the Lord just blessed me with like the perfect individual. Like this guy didn't even want life. His wife made him call me and get life insurance, and it was a weird deal. But it literally took us like an hour on the phone just for me to get this simple life insurance policy for this guy set up. But he had no choice in the matter. His wife basically said, hey, you are going to have to go get a life policy. And I literally remember thinking through this entire process, I am so stupid. I am so dumb. I, I can't get this at this point. And I just couldn't grasp it until finally, um, uh, once I finally got finished, I was like, oh, praise the Lord. But now that I've done a few more life policies, they go a little bit quicker because I've got more experience with them, because I've done a little bit more with it as well. And in, in a lot of times in our lives, uh, we have to start somewhere. We have to start at the beginning. We have to start at some beginning point. And what we're going to see tonight in 1 John chapter 2, I like the way that uh, John actually opens this. He opens it, my little children. And and (laughs) so this is how John opens it, my little children. So we're going to kind of see uh, about three different spiritual maturities And it'll kind of be explained more later in the chapter. But in the beginning, he starts with my little children. Look at your neighbor and say, my little children. And sorry, too, I feel like I have this uh, excess saliva thing because I went to the dentist the other day, and they put some things in my I just feel like I'm drowning up here, but that's okay. I'll still survive. But anyways, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin... We have an advocate. Everybody say, we have an advocate. And the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. So what is advocate? And I was actually kind of just, and I kind of find a little definition for us. We have an advocate. God's desire is that you may not sin. Did you know that? That God's desire is for us to not sin. And that is what he desires for our lives. But yet, if we do, or more like when we do, there is a provision made, an advocate, a defense lawyer on our side. Our advocate is who? Jesus Christ himself. So Jesus is our advocate. So Paul is talking to little children. So he's talking to, not little kids, but he's talking to believers. That is who he's addressing. That is who he's approaching in this scripture. And I remember as, as when I was younger, one of the things that we would do is we, would, we went to downtown and we would do witnessing. And one of the stories that we would actually use with people is let's kind of tell them I meet somebody, Dennis doesn't know Jesus, and we're talking, and I want to tell them about what Jesus did for them. And I'd be like, hey, Dennis, I don't know if you know this, but what would happen if, say, you and a buddy, you go out and you rob a store? And you rob a store, and you get, you get caught by the police. And so what's happened is you get arrested, and you go to jail. And because you go to jail, you have to go to a trial. So because of that trial, you have to go to a judge. And when you go to a judge, what are you going to say to that judge? Like, you know you've robbed the store. You know you've been caught. There's video cameras. There's eyewitnesses. You're as guilty as it gets. Like, there's no doubt that you're responsible. And what would happen, Dennis, if you were in that, and you knew the judge was about ready to make passes his sentence on you and say, you're going to do life in prison. I don't know if that's a good sentence for robbing a store, but we're going to say it's life in prison tonight. And life in prison. And next thing you know, a man walks into the room. And he comes up to the judge and he says, judge, don't worry about it. He's mine. And the judge says, no, 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 we understand. He's guilty. He said, no, 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 he's mine. And he pays his fine. And because he paid that fine, and this analogy in my head's like kind of working out, but kind of not, but because he paid his fine, Dennis doesn't have to go to j- jail for life. And that's what Jesus and so that's what he's talking about. We have an advocate. Because we sinned, we deserve punishment. And I love one thing that, that I that I was reading, I hope I'm not jumping ahead. But basically, God is representing himself in a sense here. Because because we do have an advocate, because God's saying, No, no, that's mine. And verse two says this. He is the propitiation, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, for our sins. And this is something that I had to look up. I don't know if you guys ever heard words that make you feel smarter than what you really are. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You know, I always, I've taken evangel Bible classes, and there's some teachers that are talking about stuff. And I mean, I, I fairly knew the Bible when I was there. But it was like, are you just trying to make yourself sound really smart? But propitiation for our sins, not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So what is propitiation? And he himself is a propitiation, I'm already messing it up, for our sins. This means that Jesus is the one who atones for and takes away our sins. Not only our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. So it's not just your sins, it's the sins of the whole world. It's those who repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So verse 3, and by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep... His commandments. Everybody say, keep His commandments. I'm going to have you a lot of interaction tonight. We're going to have a little, yeah. Keep His commandments. And whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, is a liar. Everybody say, ooh. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds like a little, little thing. You're a liar. Yeah. <laughs> and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him... Whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Now, what would we just read? What you believe should be what you reflect in your life. And as I was thinking about this, we I have a co-worker. Like I told you, I, I sell insurance. And we have a guy that basically told us about our boss the other day that he, he thinks he's probably going to leave. And I don't know for sure what he's go, really going to leave or not. But let me tell you a little bit about this guy. He works for Liberty Mutual. He gets a paycheck from Liberty Mutual, but we very rarely see him at Liberty Mutual. His LinkedIn page barely reflects Liberty Mutual. So we have somebody who is an employee, but his life doesn't look like he's actually a part of Liberty Mutual. And I think a lot of times that's how we approach our Christian walks, is we say we love Jesus, we talk about how we love Jesus, but our life doesn't reflect it. And so what he's saying, he's not saying that our salvation is based on works, but what he's saying is if you believe in something, you are going to reflect it. You're going to want to obey God's commandments. You're going to want to do the things that God asks us to do because you love him, because you desire to have relationship, and you desire to know him more. And so that is when we see the scripture to keep his commandments, to know him. And as we look here, as we go on, verse 7 says this, beloved, so we see the relationship that John has with these people. Like he loves these people. Very intimate words, little children, beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment. And so basically he's like, you guys already know this. (laughs) Like this is nothing special that you have not heard, but an old commandment. That you had from the beginning, the old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness, and walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So I have my first discussion question tonight, and so let me kind of give you guys some parameters. Just for time's sake, if you respond, maybe keep it fairly short, that way we're not on discussion forever. Um, and, and But my first question is this. So I just read some of the stuff in that scripture, and it may have been a little bit much. But one of the verses that I that I want to focus on was verse 10, or verse 9 and 10. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. So my question is, is why do you think it's hard to love other Christians sometimes? Why do you guys think it's hard? Why, why do you think it's difficult to love other Christians sometimes? Because obviously he addressed this for a reason. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. Is that amen? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What else? Why do you think it's so hard to love other Christians sometimes? Personality differences. Paul really wants to say something. He's up here going. Yeah, he'll say it. He'll It always works. He'll say it eventually. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What else? Why do you think it's hard to love other Christians sometimes? What do you think, Dennis? Can I call on you? You're straight ahead for me. Okay. <laughs> yep, that's good. Anybody else? Well, Why do you think it's hard to love Christians sometimes? And I'm talking about Christians to Christians. I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking, because that's what John's talking about. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ right now. Why do you think it's hard to love other Christians sometimes? Paul, you want to say something so bad. Just say it. Yeah, that's great. great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of great points there. I mean, I work in an environment where a lot of people would claim to be Christians that I know go to church very regularly. But as I've looked in their lives over the past year, actually literally it's been a year actually today is when I started a year ago. everybody give me a hand clap. Congratulations, one year anniversary. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, still employed. And uh, but over a year ago, um, I started and a lot of these people are Christians, but I see their lives and I can see them at work and you want to really know whether somebody's truly a follower of Christ. look at where their life like at work. We can all come here in church on Sundays and talk about how much we love Jesus and praise God. And I can get up here and teach and preach and whatever you want to call it. But in my workplace is where I'm truly going to reflect Christ because that's what I truly believe. And that's kind of a hard pill to swallow. And I see that in my own work. You want to say something? That's great. And so, understanding that it can be difficult sometimes for us, and maybe it's because we have different viewpoints, or like you said, we see them at work, or we see people doing things. But 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 John, I keep wanting to say Paul, but John, he, uh, he tells us we should love our brothers. We should love our sisters. We should be there for them. And if you guys see in your Bibles, verse 12, just kind of moving on, says this, I am writing to you, little children. So there's our little children. But we're also going to begin to see... He begins to address a few, not dress, but address a few different people in this story. Yeah, that's a weird, John's not addressing anybody in this story. But he's going to begin to address some people. And he says, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. So it's kind of got like the the elementary stuff, like your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. So this is kind of the entry stuff. But here we go. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from... The beginning. So these are people that are more mature in their faith because you knew him from the very beginning. And I'm writing to you young men because you could have overcome the evil one. So these are young men. They're, they're on the front lines. They're, they're in the battlefield. They've overcome the evil one. And I write to you children because you know the Father. And I write to you fathers because you know him from the beginning. And I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. So verse fifteen says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world." That's a hard thing to swallow, isn't it? That's a hard pill to swallow. Do not love the world or the things in the world. But if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty intense. That's a, that's that's a, that's something we think about. If we love the world more than we love the Father, the love of the Father is not in us. For all that is the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes. So what is the? So we gotta understand we what is the love of the world? Like, what? what is the world? Like, he's just not talking about the world. Like, this is what he's talking about, the love of the world. For the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So he's talking about loving sin, loving the sin of the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You know, a, a few weeks back, we, were, we had a basketball tournament um, here, and we were at, Paul Paul and Deidre's house, and I I remember as I was sitting at the table, um, some of the kids were talking, and they were just sitting there, and and I'm just kind of sitting back, I don't really know many of these people, and I'm just sitting back listening, just kind of, we just smoked them in a basketball tournament, we we crushed everybody, I mean, it wasn't even close, I I mean, we destroyed them, and it was a great time, I enjoyed it, and and so as we're sitting there, we're we're eating burgers, and just kind of hanging out, and I remember some of the younger guys were just sitting, and they were talking about, because they were all friends from high school, and they were talking about the stories that you know, that they did back in high school. Talking of, And they began to talk about, I remember when we got this drunk, and we did this, and we did this, and because we were so drunk this time, we, we did this, and we showed up this house, and we were in the ditch here. And, and I was just sitting there thinking the entire time, like, here we have people, some, one, a few people that claim to be Christians, and what they're doing is they're saying um, what this, we, we want all of Jesus, but we still love the things of the world. And as I was just sitting there, I was just thinking, I was like, I don't think this is a very good thing to really be sitting here bragging about. Because what happens is when you're transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I just stood up, and I'm gonna have to go back down here in a second. But when you're transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, your life is never the same. It doesn't remain the same because guess what? As a Christian, a Christian no longer loves the sin as he once did. Isn't that right? A Christian no longer loves a sin. A Christian no longer brags about the sins he once did. A Christian no longer plans the sin as he once did. A Christian no longer finally remembers his sin as he once did. A Christian never fully enjoys his sin as he once did. A Christian no longer is comfortable in habitual sin as he once did. Because we just saw it in here. Do not love the world, the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I say this scripture all the time where Jesus says no one who puts his hand to the plow is fit to the kingdom. You can't be trying to plow straight and looking back. You're not going to hit your mark. You're never going to properly be able to plant your crops. And as I was thinking about this story came to mind, and I just began to thinking, what do we love? Does our lives reflect a love for the Lord, a desire for the Lord, or the things of God? And that's something that we should challenge ourselves with. Verse 18 tells us this, and children is the last hour that you have heard the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know that this is the last hour. When you guys hear the word Antichrist, like what movies come to mind? Left Behind, Kirk Cameron, even as a young kid I think of the word Antichrist, I think of movies Left Behind, is there any other movies or books that you guys think of when you hear Left Behind, or not Left Behind, Antichrist? Anybody? Left, left Behind is the only one. Uh, that's the only one that i think of. But what I want you guys to understand is this. So what is the Antichrist? So we notice here in this scripture, it says the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. So so there's not just one, but there's many. Yeah. Exactly. So basically the Antichrist is, the prefix anti can mean the opposite of, instead of, the Antichrist is Antichrist is basically opposite of Jesus, or instead of Jesus. And when you think about, you know, people talk about what is the Antichrist going to look like in the future. He's going to be the opposite of Jesus. Jesus came as a humble servant. The Antichrist is going to come as what? An emperor or a ruler or whatever it may be. But he's going to be opposite of Jesus. And you notice it says, therefore we know this, that in the last hour. So we may be in the last hour, but no one knows when that hour is. You know, Second Peter three eight says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And as the scripture that just came to my mind, um, that as I was kind of thinking about this, Matthew 24, 36 through 44, a lot of you guys have heard that this is Jesus. But he says, But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. The father of the only one. For as were the days of Noah, so be the one coming of the son of man. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving to marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware of the flood, and swept them away, all the way taking the left. Two women will be grinding the mill, one will be taking the left. Therefore stay awake for you do not know what day your Lord is coming but know this that the master of the house had known in that part of the night the thief was coming he would have stayed awake and would have not have let his house be broken into therefore you also must be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour you do not expect so what am I what is my point with this is be ready because you don't know the day or the hour You don't know when God's going to come back. God could come back today. He could come back tomorrow. He could come back 2,000 years. He can come back when He wants to come back. And so it's our responsibility as Christians to be ready in our own lives and to be ready for those that are around us. And I'm preaching to myself, you know, there's people in my life that don't know the Lord and I haven't done a very good job of making Jesus known to them, of understanding that there is coming a day when it will be all over. So verse 19 goes on and says this. Then they went out from us, but they were not for us. If they had been for us, they would have continued with us, but they were not out. That it might become plain that they are all or not of us. But you have anointed the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. what What does it mean to be anointed by the Holy One? What is it talking about? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. And I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because a lie is truth. Who is a liar? But he denies that Jesus is the Christ. You want to know how somebody's a liar? You want to know who's the Antichrist? He denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If you what heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will you too will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise. He made us eternal life so second question that i have for you guys tonight is this as i kind of begin to wrap up why is it important for you to read your bible and spend time with the lord daily like an elementary question Why is it important for you to read your Bible and spend time with the Lord daily? What else? What you guys got? Yeah, there you go. Tell you how to operate in heaven, right? Yeah, it's our daily bread, and what happens if you only eat once a week? You get very hungry. (laughs) Yeah. What else? Why is it important for us to read our Bible and spend time with the Lord daily? Physically hide it in your heart, or? Yeah. Yeah. Physically eat the Word. That's what he's going for. Eat the pages. That was your pastor so you got to take it. <laughs> Yeah, I like that saying too. That's great. You know, I think first 26, and this is really an elementary question. Why is it important for you to read a Bible? We all know we should be reading a Bible. We all know we should be spending time with the Lord daily. But verse 26 says this, I write these things to you about those who, try, who are trying to deceive you. That is why we should read our Bible, and that is why we should spend time with the Lord daily. Hosea four six says this, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we have to understand that as Christians, like there's certain little things that we know we should be doing, we know we should be implementing in our lives. And this is what we're talking about in our Foundations class this week, is the Word of God. The little things in our lives, they make a huge difference. And you're talking about, well, no, nobody's going to deceive me. Okay, I, I, like I told you, I, I sell insurance, and I work with a place full of, um, of Christians. I have a guy who sits in front of me, and me and him, and I'm telling you, we just battle, and <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. And, and my Christian viewpoints are polar opposite of his Christian viewpoints. And one thing that I've been blessed with is there are certain times that I have the ability to argue, and I try to pick and choose which ones when I'm really good at arguing. But me and this guy, man, he we just go at it nonstop. And I and 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 the reason I say that is because uh, one, he's he he's a Christian. And I believe Christians should be able to have discussions uh, openly about when they have differences in ideas. And so there's a lot of things that he says that are just plain wrong. And I'm not saying that from, like, my opinion stand. I'm talking about from a biblical standpoint and a scriptural standpoint. And if I'm not careful and I don't know what's going on, he can deceive me into thinking somebody something else that's really not from God's Word. And that's why it's so essential for us to hide God's word in our heart, to to put it on the tablets of our heart, and really desire God's word like we do actual food. And verse 27 says, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Now, this is not saying you shouldn't listen to teachers. That's not what it's saying. The Holy Spirit's inside of you. It allows us. It teaches us. Jesus says that when you come before uh, the being tried and trials and everything like that, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He teaches us things. And, and I just know in, my, in my, er, my early Christian walk, there was things that I just began to learn that I didn't really know, but it was the Holy Spirit teaching me. It was the anointing inside of me helping grow and develop. And I would hear the Lord speak to me. And he would go and say, hey, I want you to go to this book. I want you to go to this chapter. I want you to go to this area. And I would just begin to grow and I'd begin to develop in my life. And the Holy Spirit would begin to change my heart and change my life. And it says, and if you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as the anointing teaches you, everything is true and is no lie. Just as it has taught, you abide in him. So what's the one thing we must do? We must abide in Jesus in our lives. And so finally this, and sh- and now little children. So Paul's going back to the little children thing. And abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practiced righteousness has been born of him. So let me ask you guys, in your work, and this is something, honestly, this is something that's really been been on my heart, um, and I know we kind of talked about this a, a little bit in the beginning, but what do you reflect in your workplace? I'm not concerned with what you reflect here at the church on Sunday mornings or Thursday nights. I'm talking about in the place where what you truly believe begins to show the kind of person and character that you are begins to show because I'm challenged with this in my my job. I, I like I said I sell insurance and I can lie all day on quotes. I can lie all day on to customers. I can lie to my coworkers. And I'm not talking about like it's a little little um, little temptation. I'm talking about the fact where I can lose hundred dollars just because I don't lie on a quote. And every single day I'm faced with that opportunity. And there's agents that are way more successful than me at my job because they're willing to lie. And this is something the Lord's really been speaking to me about in my life is, what are you like in the workplace? What do you like when it's not easy? But at the same time, what's your role if you are doing the right things in the workplace? Exactly. Because that's what I want in my life. Because I want to abide in Him, and this scripture that I couldn't spit out Tuesday night: "If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire, and you shall have it." See, a lot of us we're asking God for stuff, but we're not abiding in Him. We're not we're not spending time with Him. We're malnourished because we only get the Word once a week or once a month, or we're on Sunday mornings. And we wonder why we struggle. We wonder why things aren't working out in our lives. Or we're surrounding ourselves with the wrong friends. The friends that want to reminisce about the old sins that we used to do. The old things that we shouldn't have done. And I'm not talking about you completely separating your life. But one thing that I always tell people is they always give me Jesus ate with sinners. I said, yeah, Jesus ate with sinners. But he was also the one influencing the sinners all the time. He wasn't being influenced by them. And I want to challenge you guys in your own lives... To be like little children. To be like a little child coming towards the Father. Of understanding of of who He is in awe and reference. Some of you guys have kids or grandkids. Kids see adults way differently than adults see adults. But God wants us to come to Him like a little child. Come to Him knowing that He is the mediator. That He is our propitiation before the Father and so what I want to do is I want every head bowed and every eye closed